everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Pioneer Perspective. As always, my name is Brad, otherwise known as Bradsver, and I'm joined by Alex Lockthwain. Hi. Hello. Your thesis is practically done, over, finished. Your life is now perfectly balanced, as all things should be, in kind which of. you have no personal life and the Pioneer Perspective. That is the balance we need for this show to work. <laughs> Don't ever go fucking outside again. You are staying in your room like, I need so you can record. You to be available till 3 a.m. on Thursdays. <laughs> Just So if you have any obligations on Friday morning, this show doesn't work. So <laughs> quit your job. You are a recluse. You are staying inside. But no, I, we I are... still have things to do, but not as much. No, really like, you know, great opportunity on the internet to flame about my education but um so i finished my thesis after working on it for half a year and i have to defend it in about three weeks and what i'm basically told it's like well but when you like defend it you have to sort of present your research first but you know at that point we've already read it so like we do expect like more i was like i've i've worked on this for half a year and they just expect you to like do like something more in the few weeks in between. It's really just the equivalent of, like, you walk into a room... Well, the equivalent is just what it is. You walk into a room, there's a couple people there, and they're like, yeah, cool thing you've been working on for half a year, but we've read it. Like, got anything else? <laughs> like, thanks? I'm bored. Give me <laughs> yeah, more. Exactly that. It's like, I'm bored. Please do another... Whatever, do something. Dance? They were literally just go do something. We're bored. Do something. Do the roar. <laughs> exactly. No, um, from what I've read, like about like, and, like that even what works. I've seen do the roar, people, Alex. <laughs> yeah, what I've seen with people that do um, uh, do any thesis uh, for like um, like their doctorates and stuff like that, uh, whether it's like other people I've met or people I just like read, whatever. Usually, they're like, if your professor just like pushes it on to the next level to even get to the point of you being in the room, you're you're it's it's. It's just a formality at that point of you just like being there. Yeah, it's, and it's like it's like for a approved. bachelor, so like I'm not, I'm not expecting yeah. to be like grilled. <laughs> like there is one that I saw where someone says that they were the person that would um always go out, basically like you have like your thesis and like in the chamber, and then you come in, they present it or whatever, and it's like for the doctorate, yeah, or someone's like PhD, and um, they would leave the room. They for a little bit while the uh, p- the people deliberate on it. But usually, again, it's if 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 it's there, if it's been submitted to them, it's going to work. They rarely de- deny people's shit. But this person says that they loved uh, their job because they would always go back out into the uh, like they would open the door, peek their head out, and they would just be like, "You can come in, doctor." Like that's how they would like tell them that they got it. That's cool. Like that's that's really cool. But then I thought about, it and I'm like, what happens when you hear that from like your buddies saying like, yeah, they're gonna, it, you'll know because they're just gonna be like, what's up, doctor? Like that that that's the thing. That's the stick. We and know this person. And then they just say, okay, Mister, come get the fuck in here. And you're just like, what? Why? <laughs> that would just be the worst experience. Just the soul crushing. You are not a doctor. It's like you are not the father, but instead of being like, happy about it, 
They just like come in, Mister. <laughs> they're like, oh no. <laughs> they don't I mean, even I, address you. They're, just, they're like, yeah, you can come in. <laughs> I remember this when um, when at secondary school. So when you at like, I don't know how it is over with you guys, but like secondary school here is till you're about eighteen, eight, sixteen to eighteen, depending on like the level you do. And they also like phone you up after you've had like your final results, and then like your mentor, uh, your coach like rings you. It's either one of the like other people rings you, or if you failed, or your coach rings you to like congratulate you if you've passed. But I already had their number in my phone, so I just saw their name pop. So I knew my coach rang me. So I just picked up. And I was like, I've passed, right? And they're like, Yeah. It's like, Yeah, I've had your number in my phone. So I was like, Oh, okay. Well, uh, see you later then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't make it dramatic. <laughs> yeah, they're like, how the fuck? <laughs> how? how do you know I was calling you? But no. All right, so we have a few things to go over this week. We have spoilers. We have Magic 30. We have some other shit in regards to how the Pioneer meta is currently and people's complaints or concerns or suggestions or whatever we'll, we'll get to that <clears throat> but let's start because alex the train do not stop it is a constant choo-choo motherfucker from watsy we every have the summer goddamn break, day like we always do there's this low period and it's always so funny between like was what was capenna and dominaria i mean oh that where yeah. people are like, after like a month, people are like, I'm bored. Like, do we have new things? And then every every year, like the cycle continues. And after the summer, Waltzy's like, you fucking want new things? You, you want new things? You get a new thing every fucking day. There is a spoiler, a new shitty product, a, a new product. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> here's Infinity. Here's like, oh, by the way, we're getting Assassin's Creed and Final Fantasy, and now okay, here's the Brothers War. It's like Assassin's nah. Creed looks fucking lit. All right, I haven't seen any of it. I just know we get it. Oh, Is they haven't like shown anything there, yet. Or oh no, oh. it's in it's universes beyond. Like oh, cool. Like full set, from what I understand. So we get an uh, what is his name again? <clears throat> Ezio Auditorio or something. God, just get. Oh, I'm. I just want to see the Egyptian shit. From Origins. Show me some or like Origins Black Flag. Stuff. Yeah. I oh yeah. I don't know. I've only played Assassin's Creed 2. So Well, I don't I'm really old. care for Assassin's Creed that much as far as playing the games. Um, because those type of games I find very boring from my point of view, like as a as a player. Also, I get uh I have this thing I've always had as 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 a kid too, is where if I'm like playing a video game and it involves like a fucking puzzle or needing to find something and you go through the same corridors or areas over and over and over and over again because you can't fucking find the thing you're looking for i get nauseous oh i get frustrated I had, and i get nauseous I, so like, i get that with I played, assassin's creed yeah actually i did play a bit of brotherhood but i got stuck with that and i quit um i played oh my god what are these called darksiders where i yeah. think the first one you play is war and the second one you play is death I couldn't finish either game because they just kept pulling that shit on you. And it's like, you just went through like hordes of enemies and awesome boss fight, just slicing shit up. And then they're like, oh yeah, go and do this puzzle now where you need to like look under a door. And I'm like, 
Yeah, I walked past that door 15 times, but I didn't know there was, like, a button that said, like, peek under door or, or some bullshit oh. like that. And I'm like, why yeah. do you put this in this game? I am playing as war. I have a giant sword. I want to slice it shit up. It kills momentum. Is, yeah, exactly. Like, this is not why I'm playing this game. Like, come on. You almost, well, like, I purposely can... die on boss fights and be like, just so I can do it again. Because <laughs> this part is actually yeah. fun. <laughs> I can accept, like, games if the if I know going into it that it's like a puzzle game, like uh, Portal is a is a great game. I love playing that. I love playing like the co op on Portal Two is one of my favorite things to ever do with with a with a friend. Um, there's one that was on Xbox a few years ago, and you had like this narrator, and you were like in like like ancient Greece, and it was a bunch of puddle uh, puzzles to go from one level to the other. I can't remember the name of it, but that was super fun. Um, I enjoyed that one a lot. But have you ever like, played Tormentum? Tormentum Dark Sorrow, I think it's called. That game nope. is fucking dope. Like, I can't game? say much about it. It's kind of like a puzzle game. It's like 2D, and you walk from like one room to the next, and you can interact with objects and people. But I can't tell you anything else, because you immediately spoil how the whole game works. But like, just mm. try it, play it. It gets incredibly frustrating, because things are hard to find. Uh, on like a few occasions... Um, like actually I'll save everyone if you play this game at one point you need to find for a key it's in a bird's nest you're welcome I saved you an hour of your life of being frustrated that's the only thing I will tell you and um, play the game it's fucking dope it's really fun and yeah that's an it's literally all puzzles but then it's cool but if I play a game called Darksiders and the dude on the front is a giant guy with a, with a sword I'm not expecting to like, solve a fucking Sudoku every time I want to go through a door. Yeah. Also because I hate Sudokus. I like Sudoku. But there was, um... In Halo Infinite, that had, had that issue at one point. Um, towards the end of the game, you're about uh, an area where you're going to fight, like, one of the last people. And before you fight the last, like, enemy, the last boss... There's um, this elite with a red energy sword and a prosthetic arm that is like one of the coolest enemies Halo's ever had um, that you have to fight. And you have to go into this room. It's, it's, uh, it's, I think it's like an elephant, uh, meaning the vehicle. And uh, all the doors, all the entrances like close and you can't leave the, the building. And there's this fucking audio thing playing that's like of a, a mom and a daughter of one of the other characters, like a Marine where it's like this on a loop of like the singing for like a message for dad, basically like to be like, hi dad. And like sings a song and it just loops over and over again. It's like a 20 second thing. And you have to interact with the thing, the, where the sound's coming from this little hollow disc, but it's impossible to see. And it's right by the front door. The second you walk in, and if you don't see it, you don't think to look there because there's two floors, it's dark, there's blinking lights and shit everywhere. <sighs> and I was literally, not only just me, it was a common problem for a lot of people with the game. Like there's like so many Reddit threads about it where people are just stuck there forever and having to listen to this stupid disc on repeat over and over again. I was in there for 30 minutes going like, where the fuck is this disc? Where is it? 
I muted the game. I was getting so tired of the fucking voice. <laughs> like it was ridiculous. And then like I and then I just was kind of annoyed about the boss fight at that point cuz like what should have been a really cool boss fight which was fun it the momentum just cuz I just went through waves and waves of enemies that kept coming at me to like get to this point like in the building when you first enter it and then this happens and the entire momentum of the game just ceases and I'm like yeah. all right I just want to finish now I just want to I just want to be done with the game <laughs> So if you have any, uh, if you are a game developer and you want some advice, don't put fucking objects you need to find to progress the plot forward, to progress the level that are impossible to find in weird spots, make them very easy to see. And if you're going to have sound be an indicator of how to find them, make sure your sound in the game works properly and can actually be directional. Also, don't put fucking companion escort missions in your games. Fuck you if you still do that. I hope you die. I fucking hate those goddamn levels. Like, unless the game is literally an entirety of a companion mission bullshit, like Bioshock Infinite, that is the exception to the rule. Otherwise, fuck you. Stop it. Yeah, Bioshock Infinite's a dope game. So Amazing game. You know, and my thing to every game developer is stop putting time travel in your story. So, no time travel, no puzzles. <laughs> Brad, let's cast Urza, Planeswalker, shall we? <laughs> Yeah, let's go. To, let's go let's do some more. time walking and solve a puzzle to cast the fucking magic card. So. Oh, I can't wait for a, a secret layer that says uh, activate this. So, oh, that should be a, an unset card where you have to literally solve an equation. To go to askursa.com and if you can solve the puzzle. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's go to spoilers. Let's fucking start. Before we get to the cool meld stuff, we're going to save those for last. I want you to talk about the, the dumb white human, the soldier, the you artifact thingy. one of the best one-drops of all time? Yeah. The, 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 the white red artifact lady, which is also looks like a really busted card in the right deck. And uh, the... the uh, no... There's a land. Yeah, the robot. The oh, one that the says, search like, activate, engine. It, it becomes blue. Oh, that shitty card. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, um, do do those first before you do the meld stuff. Is what I'm saying. Yes, we will. We will start with the uh, probably least inspiring but extremely good card. <laughs> so maybe the best one of all the cards, and it's the least interesting one. But it is recruitment officer. For one white, you get a 2-1, human soldier, so aggressive body, relevant creature types all over, sick. And it has an activated ability. For a 3 and a white, you can look at the top 4 cards of your library, review a creature card with mana value 3 or less from among them, and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. I mean, it's pretty easy, this card just fucking slaps. It's an aggressive human, it's an aggressive soldier. Because most yeah. humans are soldiers, and it is a human soldier... So you could just run like mono-white humans but with the Soldier Lord, and this still works with your Thalia's Lieutenant and all that stuff. It's a mana sink. You know, you get to spend your mana every turn. That's just that's a very good way to win magic, just be able to spend your mana every turn. Um, if you're playing it in a band or a green-white shell, this is a really good fake-out for Coco. Like, it's really easy to yeah, threaten Coco, but still have something to do, even if you don't have it. Uh, or you don't need it, which is the ultimate bait. 
so yeah, this card's just this card's just really good. I don't have much else to say about it. This is a slam dunk. This goes in mono white humans. This goes in soldiers. This goes in humans varieties with other colors. Maybe it's not like an automatic four of because the deck has pretty good one drops. I think in the soldiers deck it's probably a four of because you just need more soldiers. I think in humans probably like a I'd think it's probably more like a two or a three. So you might still want Thraben Inspector. You've got Kithian. You've got um, Dauntless Bodyguard, which can be very good with cards like Adeline. So the the one drop spot is cluttered, but mm-hmm. maybe you just run but more I mean, one drops. And for those of you who recently read my article on PlayingPioneer.com exploring the other lords of Dominar United, I did cover the Soldier Lord. This goes in that. Yes, that'd be absolutely. cool. So yeah, do that. That seems like a really fun. I I actually really am high on the uh, the Soldier Lord um, with just literally anything else that pumps up your team, just having extra ones. Uh, maybe we'll get another Soldier Lord at some point. You can go the the the, the human route, which I don't think is that bad actually, of going like Thalia's Lieutenant, Thalia herself, um, the Resolute Reinforcements, raise the alarm if you want to go into the more token thing, and then like cards like this. Uh, those are all humans. Raise Arm is just just soldiers, right? They're not human soldiers. I think they are just Resolute Reinforcements, the new two-drop, the Flash one, is a human soldier itself that makes a soldier. So at least you pump that as well. Yeah, Raise the Alarm aren't uh, humans. Okay, so ignore that. But then you can, like... I actually like playing, like, King Darien in that kind of list because, you know, you're in Cocos, you're in Green... Um, and that was just all creatures, so you do pump your stuff. And then if they kill that ward, the, 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 that one, it's five mana, counter on your entire team. That, that's pretty sweet. It's pretty sweet. Also, Darien is also a soldier, worth noting. So, really cool. And then the next card, quickly, well, quickly, it has a lot of text, but it's a lot of text that does nothing. It is Surge Engine, uh, two mana, two colorless, for a 3-2, Artifact creature construct with defender. You can pay a blue, it loses defender and gains this creature can be blocked. You can then play two in a blue and say search engine becomes blue and has base power toughness 5-4. Activate only if search engine doesn't have defender. And for six blue blue, you can draw three cards. Activate only if search engine is blue and only once. It's not sorcery speed restricted, which... These cards often are. And that's basically the only good thing about it. I mean... Why is this a mythic? Yeah, this is, I feel like this set has a lot of potential for a lot of cool mythics. So why the fuck they made this a mythic and not a rare? Or an uncommon? Or just didn't print this card? Like, is beyond me. I don't think it's bad. Um, I do really dislike how the last ability only works if it's blue and it doesn't become blue until you pay three. So you have to invest 10 mana in a single turn. Or we know. Oh, well, no, you could, you could wait, stack no, it. The, oh, these don't go away. No. Oh, this card is way better than I thought. What the but fuck? It's still atrocious. I don't think so. I think I think in the right deck, this can actually be decent. I thought this was like a once per turn, like it gains oh. until end of turn, which I thought this was atrocious. 
But yeah, right. two, so, so drop it on turn two. It's a decent blocker. You, it loses defender. Yeah, I don't think this is a decent bad. blocker. It's a terrible blocker. It's a three two. So it's a bad blocker. True. Then you pay one mana extra. So now you've paid three mana for a three two that says this can't be blocked. Congratulations. I would like to introduce you to the flying keyword, and there are way better cards that do that. Um, then you pay two in the blue. And in response, your opponent literally throws any removal spell in the format at it. And you've spent six mana and you have nothing. And your opponent spent one or two mana. With maybe you get to draw three cards after spending 11 mana in total. I would yeah, be I think, um... shocked if this card is played anywhere outside of Limited. Oh, maybe that's why it's a mythic. It's like the Brazen Borrower thing, where this is a straight-up bomb and limited. That's what we do now. Mythic rarity is nonsense. It shouldn't exist outside of limited. I agree. It has no right to exist outside of limited. The reason they they have mythics is literally just artificial scarcity to make cards expensive. Like the yeah. moment we got you draft have set boosters, boosters now, everything just be rares and set boosters, yeah. and then mythics like, are only exactly in mythics draft. is just a thing for draft, and in everywhere else it is abolished, and mythics are rares. Like that, that's just how it should be done. But but then you I, wouldn't have seventy dollar or seventy five fucking dollar shieldreds. Yeah, or one billion dollar meat hook massacres. I think. Let me double check. Um, I'm pretty sure Shielder genuinely did go up to 75 a piece. I think at least on Moto, it was like 75 ticks. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's she's 46. It she's 46 in paper. 65 for the pre-release. Uh, let's check Meat Hook Massacre. Is that still ridiculous? The Meat Hook Massacre is still $56. Yeah, so imagine... Yeah, that fucking sucks. Imagine you, go, <laughs> you want the you double feature and... one, Alex? It's 105 Wonderful. So it's even more black. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> did you only think you get? It's like this card has like three colors in it, and now it's two. <laughs> you pay double. It's double the black in the art, so you get double the price. For double the money, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, imagine playing like mono black and standard right now and just dropping like 700 bucks or just a play set of Lily, Shieldred, and Mituk Massacre, and that's 12 out of your 75 cards. <laughs> Yeah, let's double check the prices of. Uh... You can go ahead and. Just... Uh, I... You can go ahead and talk I about will the next start card. reading the next card. And bad. by the time that it's you've looked up the though. price of an entire standard deck, I'll be done reading this card. Um, and it's not even. It's Mono Black is $600. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, so this one is Queen. I'm, I'm going to print. I'm going to fuck this up. Queen Kyla Bin Krug. Apparently she's a character from... I think she's Urza's wife or something. Uh, I just know people were mad about it because she's black or something. Um, Can we just talk about the drip, though? Look at the drip. Holy shit. Yeah, she looks awesome. That is amazing. Her, as well as all the people in the background. Dude, I want to live here just for the drip. Like, that's (laughs) like... You fucking... It's like the people that are like, why can't people dress up like they did in the 50s where it's like these giant trench coats and like always in a suit. And I'm like, because it's hot. It's hot as shit. Yeah. That's also like. But here, 
Like, oh. that style's kind of cool. People are like, why would people dress like that? Because I don't like dying the moment it's, like, above five degrees Celsius outside. I live in Florida. I will die. <laughs> Florida. Florida. We have oranges. Anyway, this card. So, Queen Kyla Bing Krug. One red-white, so three mana, for a 2-3 legendary creature human noble with four... <laughs> you right, Brad? It's Kyla Bin Laden. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> oh, that's the set code. <laughs> oh... Oh, that's funny. Keep going. <laughs> All right. So she has an activated ability. Four tap, discard, uh, uh, four, imported, by the way, four tap colon, discard all creature cards in your hand. This means if your opponent, like, stifles it or something, you don't lose all cards in your hand. Uh, discard all the cards in your hand, then draw that many cards. You may choose an artifact or creature card with mana value 1 you discard it this way. Then you do the same for an artifact or creature with mana value 2 and 3. Return those cards to the battlefield, activate only as a sorcery. So the easy way is, you dump your hand, you draw a new set of cards, and then from the cards you discard it. So not the cards you just drew, but the ones you discard it. So this does actually net you cards. You get to play a 1-drop, a 2-drop, and a 3-drop. So, so yeah, it's, in a it's perfect world, this is four tap. Five mana. Yeah, this uh, six actually, a one, a two, and a three. So potentially, yeah, this is right. four mana. Tap, draw three cards, gain six mana. That, I mean, it's it's a bit like wishful thinking because you're playing a three mana two three that has to not die, and then you need to have a one, a two, and a three in your hand. But is a pretty pretty good card um i think it's pretty good i think can, i think this is a card to keep an eye on is mm. this just like is this set is just gonna be like full of cards you could put in a collected company deck like have they finally realized that they should either get rid of collected company or not print four drops because that's kind of what this feels like i mean yeah uh but i don't know if i super like her in a Coco deck. Well, but I mean, like I you see what... where like she works yeah. in that yeah, yeah, shell. Because yeah. like, then now you can, you can play hold this. Up. And... It's the same thing as recruitment officer. You can have her on the battlefield, threaten to discard your hand, but also hold up Coco at the same time. But the same. Oh, this the is the problem is. Oh fuck off! Then definitely don't want her in Coco deck. Fuck that. <laughs> I don't know. Like just like coco you hit her and then on your turn untap and then, you yeah know, and on your that. turn untap you discard um a what is it like a dauntless bodyguard a thalia's lieutenant and a whatever an adeline drop them all on the battlefield gg oh it is it is a human yeah yeah this could be a human thing um i am more interested i know it's artifacts or creatures but i'm way more interested in what people can do with this with artifacts than i am with creatures creatures seems boring to me i kind of wish it didn't have the creature text because i know what's going to happen if this card sees play it's going to see play in like a human list or something like that because in human list this is probably fucking insane 
get back like a Thraven Inspector, a Thalys Lieutenant, and a fucking uh, the three drop you just Adeline. Yeah, all I, at once. I can't even imagine That's this crazy. in like four color humans because then you have other three drop options like like Mantis Rider. Specialist, Mantis Rider. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can even discard imagine if you discard multiple twos and an extraction specialist you just play one with kyla and you get the other one with the extraction specialist yeah that seems insane and then you blink the you get a charming princess extraction specialist then blink it (laughs) like i put like i put this like as a one-off in four color humans just because because i want to i don't know if it's better but i'm just gonna do it up the land count. It does. It does feel a little win more. Like, oh, absolutely. <clears throat> however, the question is: Is it really win more? Like, let's compare. So, like, turn three, your option is between drop. Like, let's say your hand is this. Like, we have like the perfect setup, right? Your hand is this, Adeline, Thalia's lieutenant, and in a random one drop. Okay, that's your hand on turn three. And you go ahead and play your choice between this and Adeline, basically, right? Um, yeah. You go ahead and play Adeline. Now you're left with another three drop in this and then two other things. So next turn, you could play, if you hit your, hit your land drop, you play another three drop and a one drop, but you can't play your two drop. Um, so in that scenario, the pressure you put on, on turn four, against a deck that is not running sweepers is a, probably a bit more insurmountable than just the curve as you climb up normally. Yeah, right? I also just feel like if you play this on three, your opponent's just full panic mode. Like, they have to kill this. Yeah, and I'd rather them kill this than the Adeline I'm going to discard anyway in my hand. Yeah, or the Adeline I will play after my opponent has struggled to deal with this like they've like i don't know like double stomped it or, or like stomped it and yeah. sector blood tithe harvester because they feel like they have to kill this because they they actually do and then you're just like okay cool you're out of stuff now play out of line this is actually a nice thing to combat a deck like rakdos where they are so good at one for one in you where you're just like i'm just gonna overwhelm you and force you to two for one on this yeah and recruitment officer now too mm-hmm it's like this is a one drop that from a like deck that wants to one for one you seventeen times, they kind of have to kill it even though it's a one drop. They can't really ignore it. Hmm. Yeah, I like it. And then I guess before we get to the melds, we have a land. It's Mishra's Foundry, which is just the reworked version of um, what's Mishra's the other Factory. One? What's the original one? Factory, yeah. So it's the exact same thing, but just bumped up uh, one each on mana. So it's a, it's a colorless land that has tap, add colorless mana. Two mana becomes a 2-2 two, two assembly worker artifact creature on a turn. still land. One mana tap, target attacking assembly worker gets plus two plus two on a turn. Misha's Factory, the original version, is one mana to become a 2-2. Two, two, so it's like um, Mutavolt uh, in that sense. And then it's just tap target attacking assembly worker gets plus two plus two so it's a uh, fixed i'm factory. pretty sure mishra's factory doesn't say attacking assembly oh it's, yeah worker, it's just which is what made it so cool because you could pay one block with it tap it and pump itself and you're not allowed mm-hmm. to do that with mishra's foundry so it's very offensive yeah 
I I don't. I mean, I get it. I get it. This would just be in a lot of decks better mutavolt like in pioneer oh yeah you, right? you i don't think you would have been able to print mishra's factory like just reprint that like we already yeah, have mutavolt maybe, you'd have eight mutavolt like fucking hell maybe um do you think it would have been fine if they just kept they they added it made it two mana instead of one to activate it and then they just kept it the same wording exactly as the old factory where it's just tap that so would have one. probably been okay. It does allow you to do the blocking thing, so it becomes pretty good in control decks, and I think that's just what they were afraid about. Mm, true. I don't know. I think this could see play. It's still not a bad man land at all. No, like, and this is this becomes an artifact creature, which is not often going to be relevant, but it could be. So, I don't know. Like, you, we've got like. Like, and soul decks. I think they usually run mm-hmm. a place at a Mutavolt. This could be, like, Mutavolt number five. I mean, keep in mind, Mutavolt is an assembly worker, right? Yeah. So you could at least have the activated ability to pump your Mutavolts. So that's actually pretty cool. Like, if you're attacking mm-hmm. with, like, two mutavolts, blocking becomes extremely awkward for your opponent, because you could just plus two, plus two one of them. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this card's right. okay. I think it's like a... like a, It's it's definitely a fixed Mishra's Factory, and I think it's a decent fix. I don't think... Standard. The way it's printed it could have been able to pump itself but then again that's mainly for control decks which i don't think are interested in this because control decks do tend to be pretty hungry on colors so they're more than happy to run the afr lands this is more for like monocolored aggro decks in standard and maybe for monocolored aggro decks in pioneer if they want to have like i mean they also have their afr land and mutavolt so I I doubt this sees play. It's maybe fringe playable, but I don't think there's like it's not like egregious design where I'm just like like surge engine where I'm just like this this card isn't seen play because it sucks. So mm-hmm. no, this card probably won't see play because it's just there's there's just better options. Mainly mutable. All right, now for the cool cards. What do we start with? I like both of them. Was there a uh, Mishra? Mishra cool. and the Phyrexian Dragon? Sounds like a uh, DreamWorks movie. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I fucking love dragon engines. They're so cool. I'm just such like a generic fantasy guy. I like big robots punching shit. I like dragons. Now we have robot dragons. It's like you can't really go wrong. It is pretty cool. All right, so, so Phyrexian, mm, nope. You're reading it? Who is reading I'll it? Read you read it. it? I'm reading it. Uh, I'll start with uh, Mishra, I suppose. Mishra, claimed by Gix. Um, four mana, two red, red black, so two and Rakdos, for a 3-5 legendary creature, Phyrexian human artificer. This might be the smallest print we've ever seen on the timeline. Um, whenever you attack... 
each opponent loses X life and you gain X life, where X is the number of attacking creatures. If uh, important, that's not when Mishra attacks, but when you attack. So already works on the turn you play him. If Mishra claimed by Gix and a creature named Phyrexian Dragon Engine are attacking and you both own and control them, exile them. Then meld them into Mishra lost to Phyrexia. It enters the battlefield tapped and attacking. So let's read the Dragon Engine. Dragon Engine, pretty simple. Um, three mana for a 2-2 double striking artifact creature Phyrexian Dragon. Not legendary. Um, so double strike. When the Phyrexian Dragon Engine enters the battlefield from your graveyard, you may discard your hand. If you drew, draw three cards, and it has Unearth for three red red. Uh, for people who don't know what Unearth does, Unearth basically means you get to activate this ability, it enters the battlefield from the graveyard, and at the end of the turn you exile it. And it enters with haste, also obviously very important. So you mm -hmm. just get like a one-shot out of the graveyard. It's like an escape one-shot. Um, I really like the design so much more between these two meld cards, being Mishra and the Dragon Engine, than uh, Urza and the Moonstone, or Mightstone, I'm sorry, Mightstone Weakstone. Uh, we'll get to those in a second. But look at the curve. It works both ways. You can curve out turn three for X and Dragon Engine, and then in turn four play Mishra and then, you know, potentially attack with both of them the next turn. Mishra doesn't have haste, right? Um, no. So, no. So, or, if they remove your dragon engine or it's in the graveyard, you can play Mishra on turn four, unearth the dragon engine from your graveyard on five, and then flip. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That is great curving. So, the backside is Mishra lost to Phyrexia. Legendary Artifact Creature, Phyrexian Artificer. So this is a meld card. So funnily enough, we talked about those on our last episode when it came to pet we cards, did. and meld has returned. I, I doubt we're going to see it on a lot of cards. I assume it's basically these two. There's only three, Morrow said. Oh, okay. There's three. Ooh. So um, Legendary Artifact Creature, Phyrexian Artificer. When Mishra, Cool that it loses the human type, by the way. Uh, whenever Mishra lost to Phyrexia enters the battlefield or attacks, remember it enters tapped and attacking, so you don't get it twice when it enters, because it's already attacking when it enters, but it does get your ETB. Choose three. So you get to choose three out of target opponent discards a card, three damage to any target, destroy an artifact or a planeswalker, creatures you control gain menace and trample until end of turn, Creatures you don't control get minus one, minus one until end of turn. Create two tapped power stone tokens. And also this card is a 9-9. Nine -nine. Yeah, I'm a fan of this card. I think it's really cool. I, I just like both of them. Um, I think Mishra is bad. I think the Dragon Engine is genuinely a pretty decent card. Um, yeah. I think Mishra is just kind of shitty. Um, curious. This feels like I'm playing a soul artifact. I might run four dragon engine anyway, so fuck it, I'll put a Mishra in there. That's kind of like, you know, that deck runs stuff like, um, what do you call that? Spire of Industry and Springleaf Drum 
So if you're playing like Izzet and Soul, it's not very hard to get the black mana. Mm -hmm. So that's like, I could see that, right? You've got your like unblockable ginger brutes that basically get double strike with Mishra and Blay. So like, and the do again, the engine is pretty cool. It's a three mana double striker. If you ensoul it, it attacks for 10. So huge clock. Um, pretty decent to work with. Um, Black Staff of Waterdeep 2. And then it's like a way to like recur some card advantage. I don't think you really want that because you're a very aggressive deck, but I can imagine a somewhat slower version. Might run the Dragon Engine. Do we... So I know Aspiring Spike was saying for modern, as because they're a big modern player. Um, they were talking about a Goblin uh, Engineer with this card. Which he does admit know, to have a problem with that card, though. He likes yeah, it too he, much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for those who know, it's a two mana one two Goblin Artificer. Enters a battlefield. You may search a library for an artifact card, put it into your graveyard, then shuffle. You can pay a red and tap, sacrifice an artifact, return target artifact card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. So I do like the interaction a lot. Um, do we have anything similar to that in Pioneer? No, not really. We have no, like, I mean, we have Refurbish. Yeah, but, like, that just, like, is too much mana. Like, Goblin Engineer is based on Goblin Welder, and that card is so old, like, that's not even modern legal. Yeah. Um, return artifact. I'm just curious. I'm just going to look. And claim the fame is CMC2, so that doesn't work. Yeah, you could um, Death Bow, or not Death Bow, work right. Um, death. The Death. Call the Death Dweller. Dweller? Call the Death something? Uh, That's the three mana up to convert mana cost. Two creatures up to the mana cost three. Gift is Death or, Touch. Pretty hard to block. And Menace. You get a double you get strike both. Menace Death Touch. It's a 2 yeah. 2, though. Like, there's a point where your opponent's like. All right, fuck it, I'll take the four. Yeah, but I mean, eventually that four turn is, is a clock. Yeah, but this does get stomped. Um, yeah. Which is a... <clears throat> you know, the the two power... Uh, the, I mean, the two toughness test is uh, pretty rough on this fella. Yeah, I mean, we could, we could play Dance of the Mance with this uh, card. Oh, um, no. Brad, stop. <laughs> We can uh, reconstruct history, but that's only to our hands. Never mind. Yeah, this doesn't. Seem... It's a good curve filler in dragons. It we is can a play Tesseract's touch. I mean, that's just a soul artifact for more mana. Yeah, but it comes back to your hand. <laughs> Yeah, but you want it in the graveyard because it has on Earth. True. Is this a is it a dragon construct? Can we play the construct yeah. lord? Well, no, it's all no, constructs. Or it's, it's a Phyrexian not. dragon. There's the isn't there just an artifact lord? It says all artifact creatures get plus one plus one. Isn't that the uh, yeah? There is worker? chief of the foundry, I think. Yeah, I couldn't remember if that was constructs or uh, artifact creatures. I have no idea. I remember building a deck with this, but it was really bad. Um, As it would be. Oops. You just exploded the internet. 
Wizards is down for maintenance. Okay, cool. Uh, artifact creatures. Coco artifact creatures. With Could play Sarkin. One Mishra. Three mana Sarkin with this card. True, it is a dragon. If you have um what do you call that? If you have a drag uh what's it called? Um Dragon Servant out, this costs one mana. Also, there's the stone, the dragon artifact. I am from AFR, so an artifact for dragons. We got Dragon's Horde. We're, we're, I don't think we're getting anywhere, Brad. I Sounds think like the a lot of okay. hoops to play a 2-2 uh, two, two for 3. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're doing all this cool shit, and our opponent's like, stomp. <laughs> exactly. All right, let's, let's get to the... Let's get the to the... Um, better one? Good card. Yeah. I will say the one that probably wins you the game the moment you flip it. Um, I don't know. I think Mishra lost to Phyrexia as a as a fucking insane card to flip. Yeah, but, but this card is, I think, easier to flip. Question mark. So oh, we it have absolutely is easier. Uh, you read it out. I've already read the last one. So we have two guards: Urza Lord Protector, which I saw a lot of people making fun of that name on. Uh, on Twitter. Lord like, Protector, as he's about yeah, to he, nuke your town. He's a three mana, two, four human artificer for one and then Azorius, so a white and a blue. It says artifact instant and sorcery spells you cast cost one less to cast. Then you can pay seven. If you both own and control Urza Lord Protector in an artifact named the Mightstone and the Weakstone exile them then meld them into urza planeswalker activate only as a sorcery then we have the might stone and the weak stone a five mana legendary artifact power stone making our karns from last set be worth something when the might stone and the weak stone enters the battlefield you get to choose one you can draw two cards target creature gets minus five minus five until end of turn and those are the only two options i thought i was going to be a third one the third <laughs> thing on the card is actually just tap add double colorless mana Mana cannot be spent to cast non-artifact spells. So you can use it for abilities. It's, it's just like a, the Power Stone thing. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's cool. Uh, I mean, the curve is interesting. Three, you four, go, flip on five? Yeah, for like Urza, then Karn, then this, right? No, just Urza, Mightstone, then flip Urza. Oh, yeah, because you're you right. Urza it does curve because he makes it one less. Yeah, the Mind Stone is now four, and on turn five, you have five lands plus the two mana from the Mind Stone, which is exactly seven. Hmm. So, when this card got spoiled... Well, actually, I guess before I get to that, let's talk about what it flips into. So, it melds to become Urza Planeswalker, which is probably the most powerful Planeswalker ever printed. I will never say it's not the best. Oko is still the best because it's fucking three mana. But this is the most powerful Planeswalker ever made, it looks like. Urza Planeswalker is a legendary Planeswalker. Urza has the static ability because we all love those. You may activate the loyalty abilities of Urza Planeswalker twice each turn rather than only once. So if you question... If I use the Chain Veil, does it only add an additional one? 
or does it add an additional two? It's only one, uh, right? I think it's only one. I just don't know how the static works. Yeah, you may that. activate one of its loyalty abilities once this turn, as though none of its loyalty abilities had been activated this turn. So yeah, just one. Okay, but that wording makes me confused, though. No, because you may activate as one. If none. As if but none. As yeah, if but as if none. Yeah, but one. It says one as if none. But but if it resets it, <laughs> technically, doesn't the card itself look at itself yeah, at that point? I, because I highly doubt that. I highly uh, doubt that. But do you see how it makes sense in my brain, right? How that would kind work? Of, yeah, yeah, I could like, see it. Like, it, it puts that, 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 basically, it adds that static ability onto Urza. So when Urza checks its own game state, it's like, oh, I haven't activated any of my abilities at all yet. So my static ability triggers, or not triggers, but basically becomes active again to be twice. I that, see what That's you where mean. it I, would make sense if that was the rule. Yeah, I, 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 I see it both ways. Yeah, I think it's just one extra, but maybe it's two. But I, I would be surprised. Dude, if it's two, that's fucking insane. But what, uh, anyway, please read out it's five loyalty ability. First, it has, so it comes with seven uh, loyalty, plus two artifact instant and sorcery spells you cast this turn cost two less to cast, and you gain two life. Um, plus one, draw two cards, discard a card. Zero. Create two one-one colorless soldier artifact creature tokens. This is going in my soldier tribal deck. Yeah. <laughs> Minus three, exile target non-land permanent. Minus ten, artifacts and planeswalkers you control gain indestructible until end of turn. Destroy all non-land permanents. My only gripe with this card is the minus ten should just be like all permanents you control gain indestructible. Destroy all permanents. <laughs> I mean that would literally be win the game instead of basically win the game. Yeah, why 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 beat around the bush and be like let's present we basically won the game. Just win, just win. Um this card's insane. It does a lot. Uh it's removal, has built in protection. Um it lets I mean you, you can downtick this twice, literally exile anything, exile anything, and it lives. Yeah. And the Mightstone probably already killed something last turn. That's right, it enters, then you can minus five, minus five something. Yeah, and then on your next turn, you flip this, you downtick, kill two other things. The chance that your opponent has much of a board left is low. And then you have one of the nuttiest Planeswalkers ever. So, I want to say... I was talking to Adrian when this card was spoiled. Adrian texted me and was like... So... Does Mono Green just fucking play this card for fun? No. I said it's way too win more and it doesn't go with their game plan. But I see it. I can see the idea of no, like because... Storm into both and then just Devotion. Whatever, yeah, but you don't have Oath split. of Nessa. Because Oath of Nessa doesn't work for the front side. Because that's only for Planeswalkers. So you have to hit it off Storm or have the lands to cast it with. And you already see a lot of mono green builds have just moved away from these weird mana bases and are just playing a bunch of forests again. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it matters with the idea of uh, what's it called. Um, actually, you know what? I'm. You know what? 
I think the most impactful thing about these two cards is I think the Might Stone and the Weak Stone is just a really good Karn target. It can be a pretty decent card target. I'm interested, kind of, I mean, I don't really play the deck anymore, but I am kind of interested in playing this card in Blue-White Colossus. Just to have a yeah. high CMC artifact that is actually interaction too, rather than some stupid bullshit. Yeah, the like, fact that it's, you can, the fact that when you're like, you know, when you've already removed something and you're you're kind of trying to get ahead, you can just draw two cards. Or if you need to, you can kill something. And we already see that uh, Karn constantly grabs the boat as its main tutor thing for removal. And that's just deal three damage. Now, to be fair, it's deal three damage to creature or planeswalker. So that's the flexibility in that. But there are sometimes like if you're if you're mono green and you're going against the Shieldred, for example, against in Rakdos, and you grab this and just slam it down and hit him, minus five, minus five. And then on top of that. If you have an untapped Nykthos and this, you can instantly just tap it and then add Devotion mana. Um, this enters tap, though. Right? Does it? I thought it did. Wait, it doesn't? No, it doesn't. Oh, dope. And that's also yeah. just the fact that you can use the activated ability on Nykthos, the mana, means that even though you can't cast non-artifact spells, you have something to do with this mana. Yeah, exactly. So it's not, like, dead after its oh, first activation. Fucking, oh, I don't know. Great I, I feel like Boat's better. No, no. Nine times out of ten... Right. Well, I wouldn't say nine times out of ten. I would say more often than not, probably seven or eight times out of ten, Boat is better because it is pressure, right? But this 100% has a place in the board, I think. Um, I don't know. The space is really tight, but I do like the idea that there's a refill in the, in the board just for the draw to... Like, you don't give a fuck about paying two extra for a divination if you have 35 mana to work with, right? Right. So I, I can see that being, like, decent that it's used in that way. So I maybe. But I think there's... I want to talk a little bit... I suppose I want to start a little bit with just the front side of Urza. Because mm -hmm. a three mana 2-4 is pretty defensively statted. And the static of artifacts, instant, and sorcery spells because one less to cast is just pretty nuts. Like, you can you can do some pretty nasty things with that. Uh, keep in mind, he's legendary, so you've got Mox Amber, which, you know, already nets you some mana, and then you can have you have a bunch of cantripping artifacts in the format that are two mana. So you can mm -hmm. potentially do things with that. There's some things like Terrarian that now cost you zero mana. Um... And so I think that's already pretty strong. But then especially when you flip to the backside, imagine you flip to the backside, you just go plus two, plus two, artifacts, instant, and sorcery spells cost four less to cast this turn, and you tell your opponent that they go and go and use the bathroom, bathroom while you storm off. Like, your artifacts, instant, and sorcery cost four less to cast is fucking nuts. Yeah, so could we just see a deck that's just like this card? Um, <clears throat> oh, wait. I mean, you can try and build like a controly artifacty shell with like this and Tezzeret from. Um, I was. Yeah, was Tezzeret's cool. Um, Neon Dynasty. Tezzeret from Neon Dynasty. You know, you've got your Might and Meek Stone. There are some other artifacts that do interactive stuff. Like, you just say, have like your um, portable holes, you also have Emery. Caskets. 
Uh, Emery's great in this deck. Yeah, you might be in an Emery kind of shell. I was um, actually thinking, though, Alex. Yeah. The Emery version of Jeskai Ascendancy. I this could be kind of cool in that. I feel like it's so awkward. Like I feel like it's really awkward because Urza, Urza is pretty strong on the front side, but it's not like nuts. And the Might Stone is decent, but not nuts. And you have to draw them together. I think that's just gonna make it a little awkward, especially because there's like it's not like one as a way to like tutor the other one. And I think that is an upside that um, Mishra has. Is that the dragon engines, especially if you draw those in multiples, you get to unearth them, you get to like churn through your deck, which is pretty powerful. Um, and Urza just feels like it's this kind of thing that's just you put both in your deck and you're just gonna like fail upwards into a win. But it is very powerful when you do. And that's why I'm kind of drawn to a control shell if I'm also thinking of cards like Tesseret, like Thirst for Knowledge. Um, like oh, if you and then draw... you can play, what's the, what's the counterspell? Two mana if you're controlling Artifact, or you can use Artifacts to tap it Yeah, and for then, its uh, mana. Re- something Surge Hack. No, Surge Hacker Mech, but it's like, well, like a the, hack or thing. Or like Disruption Protocol, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've got the card draw artifact that I think is like one and a blue, and it has one and a blue to activate to draw two. Um, that can be cheap to cast with Urza, and then I cheap mean, to Surge crack Hacker, with Tezzeret. Or what's not not what's the yeah? There's the two mana artifact vehicle that's pretty good for that. Record yeah, the, Bankbuster. Yeah, Bankbuster. So again, cheaper to cast with Urza, free to activate with Tezzeret. So there's something. Something powerful there. This does feel like it's more going to be a good um, standard deck than a Pioneer deck. Unless you find something that's very like unique in Pioneer. You should probably look around Kaladesh block. Might be able to find something cool there. Um, I mean, you could also just play like decent cards in general. I mean, this also is Sorceries and Incense, so we can't just go all in on Artifacts. Um it could also just oh well yeah this makes your counter magic way better too because it makes like a lot of like you don't have to play the artifact one you right play, like, you can just play one blue can, yeah one man one man in a gate or like two mana counter spell like just you get actual counter spell yeah. with like whatever upside choice you want of those three mana ones or even you can play um, some of those counter spells that you could play like a supreme will kind of counter spell which also allows you to dig deeper try and set your combo up. You can run. Yeah, I kind of like um, this. What's the phone from Make Disappear? That's now one mm-hmm. mana. Maybe, maybe one of your artifact cards like generate servos or something. Play like a servo schematic kind of card. You know, and Quench is actually not bad. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a one mana counterspell. One mana fucking mana leak. Yeah, Almost. that's pretty solid. And there are, I mean, you could also just... You've already got Metallic Rebuke, but also just that's even easier to use now. So that's pretty cool. If you go into, you can go to like an Esper shell. So you get like Fatal Push Thoughtseize um, and then like Deadly Dispute. 
for your artifact, so you can play like Terrarion, oh, yeah. and like Terrarion is is one is one mana, so it goes to zero mana with him. Um, and then now your Deli Spoots is also one black mana, so, so one mana draw two, make a treasure. Actually, if you actually if you sack Terrarion, it's one mana draw three, make a treasure. Yeah, I I think that like there's, I mean it costs you an extra card too because you played a Terrarion, but I think there's some pretty well, cool Terrarion's stuff free. to do here. I think. Yeah, but it does cost a card because playing Terrarium costs you a card. So it is True. two cards to get three cards. So you still only go up one card. Yeah. Um, so I think I think an Esper Shell can be interesting. I do really like Deadly Dispute. That also gives you things like Servo Schematic because that's a two-mana artifact. And when it enters the battlefield or is, um, go, is put into a graveyard, you get a Servo. So that's a really good thing to sack. Um, that's a good thing to sack to uh, Deadly Dispute. Uh, Tesseret turns things into artifacts, creatures, I believe. So you can make your servos um, into 4-4s. Four yeah. hmm. You can even... I mean, this is... Nah, that's too... Sp- I mean, you can run, like, Tesseret Master at the bridge. The 6-mana one with the claw? No, it's the, the affinity one. Yeah, the affinity one. Yeah, it's six mana. It's from it's from, it's the buy box promo, right? Oh wait, but that's is that just planeswalkers have affinity? What is it? Uh, yes. Let me, let me look. So that's probably pretty uh, bad. Tezzeret, master of the bridge, six mana, uh, creatures and planeswalkers. You uh, uh, spells you cast have affinity. Uh, so there's there's like something there. So like, and I think there's like an Esper artifact control shell. That you can build with this. You've got your Esper Triumph now. Your mana's pretty good. I think an important thing to keep in mind, though, when you are building that deck is... I like, you know, the moment you started talking about that. You start with, like, Thoughtseize and Fatal Push. Because I feel like a lot of people read Urza, think my spells cost one less, and they're like, cool, so I can put a bunch of two-mana cards in my deck. And I think the biggest mistake is to do that. Like, you still need your Fatal Push, um... you still need your Thoughtseize... I think for a large part, you build your deck as if Urza's not in, and then you add the Urza, and it's like cool yeah. when you draw it, and it's like oh cool, my deck's like supercharged now. But don't make your deck strong with Urza in play and non-functional without. Yeah, uh, you could also do like a Herald of Anguish thing. True. If you're going all in an artifacts, you can go like Blood Fountain. Like for like a turn one play that also can help return your Urza from the graveyard late in the game. Um, so basically, like the idea could be like it's a control deck that has two plans for finishing. You run like maybe two or three Urzas in like one or two of the the uh, the uh, weak stone uh, and power stone or mind stone whatever. Um, so like you you commit like between four and six total copies of those cards, like a three three split um, or two four split kind of thing and then you just play like other decent cards fatal push thoughtsies uh some counter magic some like other artifacts to help you like you know get through your deck like terrarion maybe some heralds to just be like a beat down thing and then when they're using all the resources to deal with like your heralds and shit while you're also making them discard you're like all right and now i have urza and then you just win the game yeah so i think looking at like Kaladesh block and trying to mash that with this and getting some like Esper Shell. I think like an Esper Shell would be really cool for this. 
Like that's that's probably something I'd be looking into if I want to build around Urza. Does the schemer do anything? Uh, treasure schemer create a colorless artifact token named Ethereum cell with sacrifice artifact out of limit, so it's a treasure. Um, yeah, treasure with minus two name. creature gets minus X minus X number artifacts you control. Minus seven beginning of you coming your turn target artifact control becomes artifact creature five five. It's not great. The double blue one might be better, the Betrayer of Flesh, because that one at least has the static ability of, like, your artifact abilities costing two less. And with a lot of, like, artifact rock-type cards, like, uh, that just say, like, pay two, sack it, draw a card, that might be better. And then just plus one is just straight up draw two, discard two, unless you discard an artifact. Uh, target artifact becomes an artifact creature. If it if it is not a vehicle, it's a four four. And then whenever an artifact becomes tap, draw a card for only minus six, so way easier to get to the ult than the other one. Yeah, this one's just way better. Yeah, that's where betrayal one. flashes. Like I think that card's already like really good, but there's basically just no home. Uh, and this could work towards giving that card a home too. Too bad we don't have Agent of Bolus. Yeah, or um, the Seeker. So not the Schemer, the Seeker. Because that one could tutor artifacts out of your deck. Or untap them. That'd be pretty cool, too. Yeah, that's the five-mana one, right? I think it's four-mana, but yeah, that, uh, that one. Uh, it is five. Three double blue. Oh. Plus untap of two artifacts. Minus X to drive it for an artifact card. Mana value X or less. Put onto the battlefield and shuffle. Minus five, you control... Oh, so... Oh, but it only comes with four loyalty. So you can't, you you would not be able to just minus five and go get the that. I will say a plus to untap up to two target artifacts sounds like a way to go infinite with Chain Veil. <laughs> it does. But, but we do I not mean, have that card. Teferi already does that. I mean, Teferi who slows the sunset might even be usable in this deck. Yeah. Yeah, it's in the colors. It's in the color. Oh, and then you and then you can just play. Lands. This is what happens now. Okay, now if you play to fairy Alex in this Esper deck, I feel like you're you're required to play Karn because now you can tutor the the Power Stone thing out of the board. You have access to a Karn board. You have access to the infinite combo because of Teferi's existence in the deck now. The first activation of the Chainville costs less because of Tesseret Betrayer or Flash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't hate it. Well, I do hate it because it has Karn in it, but... Cool idea. I like Karn. All right, let's move on. But before we do that, real quick, here are some reminders. Hey, Alex, if listeners want to go and support the show, how can they do that? Well, for starters, they can go over to patreon.com slash pioneerperspective, where there are multiple tiers in which they can show our support to us. And the more you go up in tiers, the more benefits you get. For example, you can suggest topics for episodes, or when you go into higher tiers, you will basically just be like, hey, talk about this, and we will. Then there's also other ways to support us by going to inkgaming.com and using our affiliate link where you can either find our merch or even through our affiliate link just buy other merch at ingaming.com and that still helps us out too. 
We also write articles on playingpioneer.com. So if you want to read stuff about various different things like my Like a True Pioneer series where I explore different decks, Alex's Grixis Grabs where he looks at new cards from every set that goes into Grixis. They're both there and more. As well as we have socials on Twitter. Alex is... Alex Lockflame. And I am Bradsifer. So if you want to go ahead and follow us on there where we babble about random stuff with magic, you can. And of course... There is the Discord Playaway where you can go ahead and hop and play some Paper Magic where you also get access to the mailbag every week. We also want to shout out and thank Card Hoarder for letting us join the Creator uh, Network with them. And if you want to get some MTGO cards and rent them, go ahead and do that with Card Hoarder. Now back to the show. Beyond the spoilers. So. Back to the We present. had... Yeah, we had a couple of... Um, Pioneer's been interesting the last couple of months because like Alex said at the beginning of the episode, we are we were in that lull period of people being essentially bored and it's where people start to complain about formats the most because no new cards are coming in, there's no shakeup, so we allow formats to settle into something. And oftentimes in these moments, there's not as much innovation going on because there's nothing new coming to the format, so people are just playing the tried and true decks of the respective formats. And this is true for everything. Standard, modern, Pioneer. It's not nothing special to any one format. But in Pioneer, one of the decks, well, two of the decks, were between Rakdos Midrange and Mono Green Devotion being the two top decks in the format in terms of play percentage, as well as top eight finishes within challenges, etc., etc. And the biggest complaint people have about those decks are if they are too good. A couple of months ago, we had this conversation about mono green and we had this discussion and this has been a topic for the last few months in general revolving around mono green. And we did touch on this in a previous couple of episodes, so I won't go too much into that, but that was how it started. It's just like, okay, mono green has access to this card board, all these silver bullets to go get. It has a bunch of mana it makes just be in the nature of the deck with Nykvos as an infinite combo because of Karn to Fairy Souls of Sunset if you're playing that way. But even if you're not, it still is the traditional you know, Chain Veil, Pestle and Cauldron thing with Kioras and Karns. That has not changed. That is still a thing today, and it's still a deck that is in the format and doing very well. Though, in the last month, the prevalence of Mono Green has gone down somewhat. If you were to go on Mono, uh, on uh, MTG Goldfish and look at the percentages in that way, they are skewed because they do count 5-0 dumps and things like that, and there are a lot of Mono Green Devotion variants in 5-0 dumps. That happens a lot. We get a bunch every week, especially because there's multiple flavors. So you'll get like the one that has Nickel Bolas in it, the one that has Teferi, the one that's just straight up Mono Green. Some Sometimes you get the one that's in Golgari playing Vraska. So... You get all of those. So that's why the percentage seems to be inflated on Goldfish. Where if you go on something like the website for playing Pioneer, which uses the data from uh, MTG Meta, these are all based off of actual results when it comes to challenges, showcases, and limited amount of RCQ data that we are able to get in as well. And that's what those percentages are based off of. And then we, you can see the, the, the window. Um, where in that, you see Rakdos being the one that has a bit higher representation in that sense. It's gotten to the point where people are doing what Magic players do best, uh, complain. And a lot of that complaining is actually about 
Rakdos in general. Before we had the whole discussion of like, does something need to be banned in mono green? And now again, we've had this, we're having this discussion surprisingly with the Jun deck of the format in Rakdos. I went out and put up a poll on Reddit for the uh, Pioneer subreddit and just straight up was like, hey, I'm seeing this complaint a lot. What are your thoughts for the community? And I put four options because I put the options that were the most prevalent from what I've seen. Option one, ban Fable. Option two, which I thought was really funny, but I did see several of these suggestions, which is why I had to include it. Ban Thoughtseize, which I think would be the worst thing ever for Pioneer. Option three, ban something else. You leave the comment below. And then option four, no bans. Overwhelmingly, out of the 1,300 and so votes, 794 were for no bans. The next top uh, result was banning Fable the Mirror Breaker, 342, then banning Thoughtseize at 122, and then 81 banned other, something else in the deck. I have a couple of things. One, I'm not surprised that the top result is no bans, because I think that's the correct one. Um, but Alex, are you surprised at the sheer amount of banning Thoughtseize? Of, I mean, you I mean, put it's, the it's poll on Reddit, so no. True. It's less than 10%. It's 122 out of 1,300. But still, um, 342. So say... 10% said ban Fable. 10% is a, is a somewhat decent size. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I I can honestly understand the frustration of playing against Hand Attack. Hand Attack is one of these things in the game that is simply required for the game to function, but it is not fun. It's kind mm. of in a similar sense to Counter Magic. Now, I like playing Counter Magic, and I like playing Hand Attack. Um, but... I could totally understand that it is a part of the game that is incredibly unfun to you. And the only thing I could say is I understand the game would be worse if we didn't have it. Like mm -hmm. the game would be unplayable. Like imagine if magic had no counter magic and no hand attack. Like it would, it would not be a functional game. No one would play it. So, but then when you ask people like, this Thoughtseize deck is too good. What should we ban? People are like, please ban the card that's not fun to play against. Yeah. So, like, I get that. But, and again, you put it on Reddit. Um, when it comes to bans like this, people are very biased towards cards they don't like, because so am I. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. He's also, like, there's still a reasonable number of people that would want a ban. It's a Reddit poll. There's not much to go. It was pretty large amount of engagement, though. Especially because it had, like, 1,300 votes and it has three upvotes. So there were a lot of people who were very passionate about the about the poll itself and then forgot to actually upvote the post it was in. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um... 186 comments, three upvotes. That is some like difference in engagement well i mean if they downvote it obviously it reddit polls um oh yeah the um the downvote it was it had a 55 percent upvote rate so like half the people were download like almost half were downvoting it which i mean reddit's weird with that i literally 
didn't say anything suggesting either way. I would have just said I've seen a large uptick within the community of people wanting something in Rakdos Midrange banned. What are your thoughts? In the poll, I post most frequent ban suggestions. Um, and I just say I, I don't think any bans are needed for any deck in the format. We just got to give time to adjust. Uh, we've seen over the time since Winota and EI were banned, the format has been shown to recover every time we have a scare like this. We had it with Phoenix, we had it with Mono Green, now we have it with fucking Rakdos. Like, the format has adjusted every single time so far. So, whatever. I don't really care. It's fucking fake internet points. Doesn't matter. True. Um, but yeah, I uh, I think it's interesting. Um, I think it's definitely an interesting thing. One of the top comments was uh, from uh, Kevman, or just someone that I don't know if you've interacted with, but I've definitely interacted with several yeah. times, and they are they are a listener of the show. Um, says, I don't want anything to be banned, but I also don't want Rakdos to be 35% of the challenge results and Monet Green to be the other 20%. It's pretty egregious numbers. I don't really have a good solution. Um, which is really a great way to put it, which shows oftentimes how format management is very difficult from the perspective of Wizards or any TCG for that matter. Like, I don't think Rakdos is doing anything oppressive. I don't think Mono Green is doing anything oppressive. I think they're mm. both unfun. Uh, okay, you're biased because you don't like Karn and the access to a combo well, feels like it should well, be oppressive. Well, I mean, your opponent can have 15 mana on turn three or some shit. So, like, like if I just yeah, want to go they, turn in, one creature, turn two creature, I might just fucking die. And there is literally True. nothing you can do to stop it. But as someone who's both played against Mono Green and with it, and I will say I will have this complaint as both the pilot and the opponent, that Mono Green is the deck that is not that fun in the sense of how it works. I will preface that by saying it's so much fun when you go off. As any deck is. Any deck that's built similarly to how Monogreen functions, where it's super big and flashy and you get to go off, like going off with Kethis Combo, going off with Jeskai Ascendancy, going off with Grease Fang, just something that has an interaction where you're just able to just cast your shit and do something big is one of the most fun and fulfilling feelings in Magic. However, there are plenty of times where the game with Monogreen goes one of two ways it does everything it does nothing that is how it always feels very few i would say it's like 45 percent everything 45 percent nothing and then you have 10 percent of games with that deck where it does actually go back and forth and have like a mid-range grindiness to it that's my biggest problem with it because it can be stopped and you can punish monogreen players just by killing their dorks. And then they end up, they oftentimes you have a hand where it's like, all right, I go turn one dork. Okay. Kill it. All right. I go turn two dork and another dork. And you're like, all right, uh, I guess I'll just play a creature now. And they're like, okay, I go Wolf Haven and Kiora to untap. I have nothing else to follow up now. And then they just sit there with a bunch of mana and then they draw into more dorks or Havens or Kioras 
and they don't hit their Karn. They don't hit a fucking uh, storm. They don't hit fucking any big creatures. They're just dirtles. I think that perfectly describes the problem with mono green. You never beat it. It either loses to itself or it wins. Exactly. That, that's what I'm saying. It either does everything or nothing. Yeah. Which it like feels like you problem. have no control over. To a large yeah, extent, right? If you have some level of interaction, some hand attack, some counter magic, you can get rid of like a key piece. And that is a way to actually have like a way of interacting with it. Throw a bit of a wrench in the gears. Lavinia but, kind of cards can work. Containment Priest. But the focus of this right now isn't mono green, it's Rakdos. So. I know you are of the opinion of very strongly disliking Fable the Mirror Breaker. Yes. Why? Now, are you at the level where you wanted to see wanted to be banned, or just like if it was banned, you wouldn't shed a tear over it? Um, I'll say for like wanting to have it banned, uh, I'll admit, working on my thesis, I haven't really played Magic in two weeks. Um, so take my opinion with a grain of salt when it comes to format specifics like is it the right time to ban a card I definitely wouldn't give a shit if it got banned and I'd probably be happy about it and I think a point that we already like touched on a little bit before is that I hate the fact that Fable is just fucking everywhere like it feels like when you play some pile it, it, it's got to be red, and you're going to have to put, like, Fable in it. If you're playing Mono Black Midrange, why? Play Rakdos. If you're playing Golgari Midrange, why? Play Jund. Like, if you want to... If, if you play, Jes play, like, blue-white stuff, make it Jeskai stuff and put Fable in there. Like, and, and that's what I really hate about Fable. Um, and... What I also really dislike about Fable is that it it's basically a one-card win condition because what you often have when you play against mid-range strategies... Now, obviously, they have removal, so this isn't, like, infallible. But what can happen is that mid-range decks, they play, like, you know, their Blood Tithe Harvesters and their... Um, what do you call that? And their Graveyard Trespassers... And you just play like a big fucking guy. Just like an Elder Gargaroth or something. And that just nets you time. Like you play an Elder Gargaroth and then you play... You just go like a little bigger. And you like have that stalemate. That is just no longer an option when Fable is in play. And that's why these sort of like mid-rangey piles things like your Apsan siege rhino kind of that just it's just all doesn't work because of fable because you can't actually like board stalls don't happen anymore because your opponent has a fable so they're gonna fucking murder your ass if you try and have a board stall so it's not only that you have to basically stop them in their tracks. You have to interact with them, because if you're not interacting with them, you just lose to Fable. And what's the best in interacting? It's Rakdos. So the best answer to playing Rakdos is to play Rakdos and just tech your deck for the mirror with cards like Invoke Despair. And it's kind of like, if Fable, in a way, I mean, in a broader deck-building sense, but it's almost like the mystical dispute of mid-range decks, 
where the way to beat him is to join yeah. them. And I always hate that design. And I think for Mystical Dispute, it's super in-your-face dumb. This card should have never been made. I think with Fable, I can forgive him because it's just like a thing that ended up happening. But a card being the remedy to itself is often a good way to get a card that's played everywhere, super ubiquitous, and just not healthy. So I'm a... Uh avid Rakdos player I play the deck I play the most by far is Rakdos Sack and Rakdos Midrange um, like I I constantly switch between those two decks both on MTGO and Explorer and in paper um, I'm starting to play more Ascendancy in paper because I just got the really pretty uh, etch foils from Modern uh, no what what was it Modern Modern Masters what was that? What was the reprint set? Just double masters. Double masters. Yeah. Um. Or was it double master? What was the name of it? Doesn't so fucking much matter. Product. I got. I got pretty cards. Okay. I also got foil bio box promos of um, the uh, the new elf, the Loma, Loma speaker. It By is the double way, masters. Okay. Look By the way, uh, Loma speaker. When we're Loma speaker is fucking insane in Just Guy Sentency. Just being able to have another one condition like that oh yeah i did anyway. play some magic last week or i think the week before i went to an fnm and i played commander and i got a loam speaker there so nice so but as someone that plays a lot of rakdos it is a deck that is certainly i can understand not being fun to play against for a lot of people um similarly to mono green just because where Mono Green is a little annoying because they just dump their entire hand out and you're like, well, fuck, I can't deal with this board. Rakdos is like, the, you have the answer for almost everything. Um, yeah, they, at least they, it can feel that way. What, what's been frustrating for me specifically playing Control is that now with Graveyard Trespasser, Fable, and Liliana, this deck attacks you at literally every angle. And I mm. get games where it is just like, does my hand up line up with their hand? And there's no way to know beforehand. So you have an opening hand with like two negates and you're like, well, if this is a Liliana Fable draw, this is the best possible hand. So I have to keep it. And then they play a Graveyard Trespasser and you're like, well, fuck I, I yeah. literally have no spell I am able to cast. This flips. It's a 4-4 four, four now. I'm never casting a Delve spell again. I've lost. And that's that Quick sucks. thing for that, <laughs> by the way. Um, start playing Make Disappear. Well, I've got four Seriously? sensor. Play Make Disappear. It's better. I have joined the hype on it. I've been I've I've been I've been picking up some like Demir control on Explorer, and I was always playing Sensor. And then I looked at the uh, winning list of an RCQ. The one that we talked about uh, before, where they had the uh, the Urtai guy, he was playing four uh, Make Disappear, and I'm like, I'm gonna try it. Uh, I didn't realize it was pay two and not pay. I thought it was just bad sensor that you can, whatever. It's it's unless they pay two, not one. Yeah, it's just quench, but then not bad. Well, no, qu well, quench is three, but no, quench um, is two. Mana leak is three. I thought mana leak was four. No, 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 that's convolute, and that's a three mana card. Oh. Okay, I know well, my counter spells, I've cast all of them. <laughs> okay, well, Make Disappear has been fucking insane. Uh, it's been very good. It's been, I think it's been better than uh, than Sensor. 
you lose out in the cycling, but it's because uh, it's everything, right? It's yeah, not just like, non-creature. I can I can even imagine you run more, and I've been I've been thinking that because again I I, I have to play more again because the last time I did play. I got my ass handed to me by rectal severians like over and over again. And mm-hmm. I was like, fuck, I need something for this. And I do think sensor is sufficient in many ways. Um, and I was even considering like, but I was considering wanting more. So I was thinking like, do I maybe run like a Jawari disruption too to have like a fifth sensor? Because the way I tend to combat them is if I have an opening hand with sensor, it suddenly feels really safe. Because I can go a sensor on three, and if they try and play around it by waiting a turn, well, now I've got sinister sabotage. So yeah. now I'm good. It's usually that, like, especially if you're on the draw, their turn three, their turn three play has to line up with your two mana answer. And games where that is not the case are games that you lose like ninety percent of the time. So yeah, it's but yeah, I've liked. Want to try uh, and make disappear? Make disappear. But anyway, um, besides that. I think Rakdos can be attacked. Um, I put out a tweet yesterday. So I played in a few leagues on Moto. First one, I, I was like, let's fire some Rakdos midrange. Uh, I went 3 And I just Ouch. dropped. Just aggro, aggro, aggro. It was like mono red. Um, I think it was it was like a mono red Ember Cleave with like Annex and stuff like that. Like Swiss Spear and like the Chick. Then it was the Golgari deck. With um, a Targus command that's going around now with like uh, Pushwhacker and shit. Yeah, I'm sorry, Gruul. Not, not, oh, yeah. Gugari. Yeah, in case you're listening, Sam, can you stop playing that deck? You're scaring me. Like, you're making yeah. it too popular. Like, you're, you're like. <laughs> yeah, it's like even Adrian's running into it. Yeah, I don't like Burning Tree Emissary. That card's scary. I don't like zero mana tutus in aggro decks. As long as Sam doesn't fucking play Robber of the Rich, I'm fine. As long as no one knows about that card. As long as it, people people play on Explorer, I've ran into it a few times, and I want to cry every time. I fucking hate that card with a burning passion. Like most evil, they don't like Thoughtseize because it looks at your hand. I don't like Robber of the Rich because it steals the top card of my deck, and it's always a card. I'm like, I would have loved to cast that next turn. I would have loved to have I that card. It. Or it steals my land when I need a land drop, and it's just yeah. like it's just so such an inconvenience. Even though they're not even though they're not always casting or stealing your card, especially because it just makes that card generic and they can just play it without paying your mana, the mana cost or not mana cost, but the mana colors and shit. Like, fuck you. Fuck robber the rich. Like when they go turn two, burning tree, burning tree, robber the rich. And they just blow, like they throw out their hand. So they go lower than you in hand size. And then they just hit you. I'm just like, okay, what the fuck? Anyway, those kind of decks shit on Rakdos because I was having excellent hands. I never mulliganed down beyond uh, beyond the first seven. I always had one mana removal, two mana interaction removal, uh, turn three play, even going into like Shieldred to like start like gaining life or like, you know, like I had the curves you want with Rakdos. And I've even had a couple of games where I swept them with like ex- Extinction Event and shit. Still lost. They still just kept recouping and overwhelming me. And I was always like a turn away from stabilizing 
and then they i just like couldn't live through the next turn with blocks it just it because a lot of the cards in ragdos are expensive you have a lot of three drops and you have like your four drops shouldered and shit like that like you your mana is a little sus uh not in terms of your mana base but your mana expenditure um so that's the issue with ragdos against aggro so you should be playing more aggro uh and then i started playing other i i, I was like let's have fun i'm gonna play rogues and you know what decks i see one rectals, after the rectals, other rectals. no grease fang grease fang phoenix on rogues and i was like what the Great. fuck i haven't seen a phoenix deck in forever and of course i run into the guy playing phoenix on fight when i'm on rogues and then i'm like i'm gonna play grease fang myself i'm gonna play mardu because i want to try something different and then i play against a uh, 80 card control first game and i was like you gotta be fucking kidding me because <laughs> i was just like control against grease fang feels like super bad because uh, it's it, on the night that I'm having, because of course they're going to answer everything. I think but, also if you're on Mardu, definitely. If you're on Absan, you've yeah. got the chariots and stuff. That backup plan makes it like yeah tough. Oh, now and I'm the just fact playing that that bad deck is Yeah, uh, but I won Oop. some grindy ass games. Got to get one game three, and I was like, I just closed the client. I'm like, I'm done for the night. That was the best. I literally. Threw my arms up into the air, like yes, when when they scooped, because I finally won a match after two and a half hours of playing, and I was like, it was euphoric. It was so nice. It felt amazing. But the point of this is that Rakdos can be fucking beat, and so can Monogreen and all these decks, and you can beat them. However, if you look at the page where it says most played cards in Pioneer for MTG Goldfish, Alex, I'm gonna let you. Go ahead and type that in real quick because I want you. I'm not going to tell you. I want you to look with your own eyes and feast upon the top 10 cards overall and the top 10 creatures in Pioneer, according to MG Goldfish. Of course, it does count the cards in dumps, like league dumps, so take it with a grain of salt. But uh, it's not great on first look. Uh, no. <laughs> it is like. I see two decks there. This is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is basically like Gre well Grease Fang slash mono uh, mono green more and Rakdos like half the Rakdos deck is in the top ten most see, played cards. I mean the only thing for Grease Fang is like I guess there's a portable hole and a yeah, there's Liliana which is in both. Sky oh Reckoner Bankbuster that is mono green right. That's like a sideboard yeah. card they have. And now. Rakdos. And Rakdos for the mirror. Oh, They've wonderful. been choosing that instead of Invoke Despair. Yeah, so it's unlicensed hers because of course it is. Um Fatal Push, Thoughtseize, Fable, Portable Hole, uh Skyship, which I'm pretty sure Sky Sovereign is also a Rakdos card sometimes. And it yeah, is it's a like a one of when they bring it in for the mirror. Uh, Reckoner Bankbuster <laughs> in Mono Green and in Rakdos. Liliana of the Veil, Bonecrusher Giant, and Graveyard Trespasser. I don't have to tell you where those cards go. Um, so, yeah. And then Yikes. Creatures is just <laughs> Bonecrusher Giant, Trespasser, Harvester, Croxa, Shieldred, Lenor Elves, Elvish Mystic, Kalidus, Cavalier of Thorns, Old Grove Troll. What the 
fuck. Oh, and the spells too, by the way. Unlicensed Hearth, Fatal Push, Thought Seas, Fable of the Mirror Breaker, Portable, Skyship, Reckoner, Bankbuster, Liliana of the Veil, Duress, and Rending Volley. The most common sideboard <laughs> cards out of Ragdolls. The so, number one played land is Swamp. <laughs> <laughs> swamp, Sogazon, Mountain, Den, Hive, Blood Crypt, Takanuma, Boseju, Blightstep, Pathway, and Urborg. What the, the fuck? Literally the mana base. If you copy-paste this and throw it into a deck list, your Rakdos mana base is pretty solid. Yeah, you're like, I'm just running a, like, I'm you're running like, a I one, don't know why this Boseju is there. But sh- <laughs> I'll discard it it's, to Blood Tithe Harvester, I guess. Hey, no. We had no. We have it. We have treasures. We can. We can use Musaju. That's the tech. That's the mirror breaker oh. for Fable. Okay. Oh yeah, because it even says how many copies. So you run two swamps, one Sokenzon, three mountains, two Den of the Bugbear, two Hive of the Eye Tyrant, four Blood Crypt, a Takanuma, a Besaju, four Pathways, and an Urborg. There's your mana base. <laughs> I hate this so fucking much. Alright. Yeah, if so, you yeah. get the numbers, it doesn't look good for a case of Rakdos doesn't need any we don't need to do anything against Rakdos. Yeah. But this is also a thing, like I said, it, it is a thing that where the meta needs to adjust. And I I think as much as you don't like it, Sam's Bushwhacker gruel list is probably one of the best things to be. Oh, I'm happen. just saying I don't like it because I'm scared. Yeah. <laughs> like Mom, come pick me up. I'm scared. <laughs> and it and yeah, it makes me go relive through playing versus fucking Burning Tree Emissary out of devotion. And I was like, I thought I didn't have to see this card again. No. Yeah. I so, don't like zero mana tutus. <laughs> they kill it me. It can be... It can be good for the format. And... I agree with you in your thing about Fable, where it's like, you know, it's literally Joe Jana Jameson, okay, uh, or Jonah. It's 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 just like Spider Man. He's putting up the fucking uh, headline for the newspaper, and it's just Fable the Mirror Breaker, hero or menace, <laughs> because it does two things. One. It is the mid-range, fuck-around, find-out glue that holds together your shitty, jank decks. Just like Treasure Map from Ixalan and that standard. Remember that shit? You remember when you had a janky idea, Alex? And you're like, how do I fucking make this be- Oh, yeah, I just throw in four Treasure Map. My deck is yeah, so much better works. now. <laughs> <laughs> it, may, I, it is so much better. Fable is that. But for all mid-range strategies now, if you are in red... I was talking about earlier. I was putting together like, I want to do command the dread horde. Cool stuff with like the explore wild growth Walker. Uh, but you know, what do I do beyond like just Golgari? What kind of, Oh, I should just go in Jund and fucking play fable with the mirror breaker. Cause it discards my lands. It discards cards. I don't need from the extra ones from like going into explore. Anyway, it discards my explore stuff for dread horde. It makes treasures to ramp into command the dread horde. Also, I can play a few fucking soul of wind grace at the top end just to just do that for some reason. Like, yeah, it's it just works. fable does everything it it does actual well there's no removal on it whoop de fuck well there is removal on it because if you if copy you're a blood, blood tithe harvester, harvester it's a removal yeah. spell now so or um, if you're doing what i'm doing and playing fable and mirror breaker and fire zone invention 
with Adrian Treachery, and you just copy that. Or you play Fable of Mirror Breaker in Four Color Hanada, where I copy my Torrential Gear Hulks to get more Magma Opuses and Sublime Epiphanies and stuff like that. <sighs> you know what I I hate perhaps the most, the interaction with Fable? And I understand if your opponent has two flipped Fables, you've probably you've lost anyway. Like given yeah, your I have board seven state. open mana. Copy, 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 copy. Yeah, copy, 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 copy. Oh, cool! This card is literally just like it is like Exodia, except you only need the arms. Like they just you, Exodia only needs the arms to beat the fuck out of you. Like it doesn't need anything else. Just, <laughs> Exodia's just like bitch. I am flexing. Yeah. And they just, I like creating board stalls and then playing cool big cards to go over these board stalls, but I just, I'm just not allowed to do that. You can't even do that now against Rakdos because they're like, you played a one of creature? Oh, you dumb bitch. You silly bitch. Liliana Downtick. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. So, so the, the, the problem it creates, and this is, I guess it's going to have to go into, because uh, we were going to talk about next point. So I think this is a good transition into that. So it's pretty simple. You see Rakdos, you see Mono Green. What if you don't want to play those decks? Like maybe you're worried they get banned. Maybe they are decks that you just really don't like playing, or maybe you've got a deck in another format that's similar, and you're like, "Hey, I want to play Pioneer. I want to play something else." What do you do other than playing these decks? And I think. You know, I've alluded to it, you've alluded to it. I think Pioneer at this point, even though Blue-Eyed Control is kind of playable, at this point, Pioneer is a ridiculously proactive format. Like, mm. because of things like Mono Green and Rakdos, as much as it pains me to say it, because, you know, I'm stubborn and I still play reactive decks mostly... It is the worst time to be reactive. You are being attacked from a... And this is, you know, you could argue that's why people don't like it, because we are getting to a kind of version of two ships passing in the night, in the sense that you have to actively be winning the game, basically from turn one. Because sitting back and thinking, well, I'm just going to react to what my opponent does doesn't work because you get attacked from so many angles by so many different decks especially because now we already see Rakdos being a proactive deck mono green being a proactive deck and how do we answer them bushwhacker aggro and be even more proactive and just like not giving a shit about what my opponent does. Oh, my opponent's gonna block. Well, I'm just gonna t cast a carry Zev's expertise and take the blocker away because the easiest way to deal with the blocker is for it not to be there. And in this case, carry Zev's expertise, even while I'm attacking you with your own blocker, and the game probably ended already. Because carry Zev's expertise, I've seen it a lot in deck lists. Cards, nuts. But it's good. Yeah, I, I think that's, like, the main thing I would be going towards. Um, you want to be very proactive. I do think there's one other way to go about it. And it's kind of in a way like Hanada-style decks are. You can be more reactive, but your win condition has to be, like, this one-two punch knockout. 
So mm-hmm. you want to do something... Like, you want to have some sort of two-card combo or something like that. You want to have, like... You, you basically want to have, like, a slow splint... Well, a splinter twin kind of thing. Like, that's how we still occasionally see something like Rakdos Creativity, which does take um, the Rakdos Midranger's shell, in the sense that we have the Fatal Push, we have the Thought Seize, there's even Blood Tithe Harvester, Fable, Bone Crusher Giant. We are interacting with our opponent, but then we play Big Score, and Big Score sets up Creativity for Xenagos, World Spineborn, you're dead. Mm-hmm. So. We are, and that's kind of why Greasefang still works. Greasefang has more reactive elements, not very much. It's setting up like a lot of graveyard centered milling, but you can definitely sideboard and bring in some proactive, some reactive cards because the core of the deck is Greasefang Parhelion hit for 14. And I think that's 13. the two things I want to be at. Sorry? 13? 13. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's a five five and two four fours. Yeah. Um, yep. So I don't know if you have any other pointers, but that's basically like the two directions I'd be looking to. And I will say, in terms of people think like if there's no creativity in that, I think there absolutely is. Um like I would like to remind people I mean, that look, the card Underworld Breach the is still legal. I mean the mono um, white and the Orzov midrange shit is super fucking cool. With like Sarah Paragon, Extraction Specialist, Book, um, like that that is super like it's awesome to me. I'm a huge fan of Mono White Midrange, uh, like the Orion version. Just playing good, fun, just I like to draw cards and just generate mana value kind of stuff. Oh yeah, fuck even, off. Even... This one, this version's playing Fable. It's literally it playing one red card and it's Fable. But like in a, I mean, in a 95 card deck. I mean, like, all of these cards at a play field, like, I'm thinking even, like, like, I can imagine a deck like Arkham Bombardment. Like, something mm-hmm. in that regard. Um, even though it's random, but it, it's it's this huge over over the top, and then they play Invoke Despair and you lose it. But um, that's a problem for future you. But, like, there are definitely, like, combo finishes the deck i'm saying combo very loosely like if we call greasefang a combo deck because it assembles two cards and then basically wins the game um basically every time someone would make a tweet about it memeing is this a splinter twin situation like those kind of decks are things you can be looking for and there's a plethora of options in pioneer i think recently someone like five out list with chronic flooding um Those type of decks, you can be, like, proactive. But, again, the key is to just be proactive. Or at least, if you are reactive, to have this, like, one turn to flip the switch and you just basically win the game immediately. Yeah, it's tough because you, like, you want to go... The best way to beat Rakdos is one of two ways. Go underneath them and overwhelm them with creatures and be super aggressive like the bushwhacker plan or just go ridiculously over top similar to what mono green does but you can do that in other ways too like a creativity um five color fires invention um with like uh incarnation and stuff like that these are all really good yeah, I, I against do think the key to going over the top 
is not to play like they're playing a bunch of threes, I'm playing a bunch of fours. Like, which is like historically how you can win mid-range matchups. Because it's always just the, the tug of war, basically, between who builds the greediest mid-range matchup um, deck without being shit on my aggro. Because once mm-hmm. you go too big, you get dumpstered by aggro. I now want to go over the top with like one card that I can just rip off the top. Like uh, Enigmatic Incarnation. Like you have some enchantment lying around. Oh, cool. I rip an Enigmatic. Now I'm suddenly winning. Uh, I'm playing yeah. Niv. Oh, I rip a Niv. I rip a Bring to Light. Well, now I'm suddenly casting this huge card and now I'm like super winning. Because you don't want to go over the top in like steps. You want to basically. You're both walking up the stairs and you suddenly get in the elevator. Like that's how I want to go over the top of someone. Yeah. Or you jet uh, back up, like whatever. Think of a creative analogy here. Recently, huh? September twenty-six. Orza Vampires five zero. Look at that. I mean, you do have to go back two weeks to find a vampires player. That's understandable. Playing main deck vanishing verse. Two Kalidas, two Edgar, two Murderous Rider, three Zealots, four. Uh, Night of the Religion, four Aeth- Aetherborn, four Dusk, four Soren, four Push, four Thoughtseize, 25 lands, and then they have Fragmentize on the sideboard. Um, I mean, that's pretty nice for killing Fable, the Mirror Breaker. And, well, uh, art- it's Artifact, Creature, Enchantment, right? Uh, artifact or Enchantment. Convert to make us four or less. It's Fragmentize. Oh, wait. Yeah, that one, the one blue. I was thinking... Or it's one white. Uh, yeah, yeah, one white. What was I thinking of? It's the one from Strixhaven. That's a white and a black, uh, and I think it's Artifact Creature Planeswalker. Uh, Artifact Enchantment Planeswalker. Oh, Fracture. Yeah. Fracture's great. Um, I think you should be playing that in Grease Fang. Yeah, also, yeah, uh, Grease Fang players, play Fracture in your sideboard. Please. Yes, please. Please. Uh, make sure that you cannot hit an answer to my Leyline of the Void of your Seder Wayfinder, please. I've been getting fucked over by that so often. Where, like, I have the Leyline, and I'm like, oh, this is great. And then they... Oh, they still play Besaidu. It's not like they're going to stop And then they play a, a Wayfinder. And, like, I play Omodo, and it's just like, Besaidu has been entered into the revealed card zone. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I worked also, hard on this Leyline. I worked really hard on mulliganing it and having it in my opening hand. Also, one other thing, by the way. If you are a Rakdos player and you find yourself in the mirror with another Rakdos player, side out your fucking thought seizes. Side them out. Please. It's bad. Do not play a mid-range fucking... Yes. Your thought seizes in the early game do not fucking matter in a matchup when you're like, both going to be hellbent by turn four anyway. It's like you thought seize your opponent and you see like a, like a, a whole menu of three drops and you're like, I guess I'll take one at random. <laughs> yeah. The fucking... It's funny that the name of the card is Fable the Mirror Breaker because the Mirror Breaker of that matchup is Fable. That is what puts you over the top. Just play good cards. Play removal. Bring in your epic downfalls for all of the three drops. Like, play, uh, oh my god. 
Invoke Despair. Invoke Despair, Reckoner Bankbuster, just play that shit. Don't don't keep in your Thoughtseize. The amount of times I play on Explorer or MTGO, a Rakdos Mirror, but Brad, and my opponent there was a time where I Thoughtseize did Invoke Despair and I won the game. So it uh, must be Yeah, good. I'm sure your Rakdos opponent flooded that game too. Like, I'm just thinking you could shit. have cast your own Invoke Despair and then... Like... Yeah, if you're going to Thought Seize, Thought Seize yourself. <laughs> it's more worth your fucking while. Go Thought Seize yourself. Discard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, do you have any anything else for people when it comes to, like, other things you want to do if you want to play non-S tier decks? And of course, I, I when think... we say non-S tier, don't think too hard about it it just means in the moment right now it's rakdos and at the moment rakdos and mono green are the best decks like yeah uh there's plenty of other good decks uh mono white humans grease fang spirits uh phoenix is still a deck okay it still plays four treasure crews come on yeah like i think all these decks are absolutely good but yeah we are talking like the the top two are probably these um, I think another thing that I think is very important is that now I'm still not saying the matchup is good. When Ragnos midrange like popped up around New Capenna, I felt like I could not beat the deck. Like I thought the matchup was unwinnable. And I was like, what kind of sideboard cards do I need? I ended up running like Gontis and like Kotos the spider spider something, like the card that like Exiles a card from a grave. Basically, uh, Surgical extracts a card, but then you get to play all the copies. Oh, the um, spider lady? Yeah. Uh, yeah I think she's called, like, Kotos or something. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, I tried those cards. And then, like, I realized just as I started playing the matchup a lot, because I played that matchup a lot around that time, and I, like, never drew those sideboard cards, but I still started winning. And it's just because the matchup is really fucking hard to play. Like, it's really hard to play against Rakdos. Now, there are these games where just like, as I said, uh, you have to double negate, they play the Trespasser, you lose. Whatever, those games don't count, right? I mean, you could have looked at your Mulligan decision, but if you are confident that the Mulligan was correct, like, let's say you were already down to five, or like, I, I really already don't like mulling to five because the chance that you win that matchup, like, decreases dramatically as you mulligan because it is such a battle of attrition um but the the decks just require a lot of practice i don't think as much for mono green again mono mm. green is just like you just have to be like they lose to themselves or they win but rakdos that that matchup just requires so much practice if you're proactive yeah, um, yeah but even just like like there are board states, I think, like, it, it's hard to, like, conjure up out of top of my head, but where, like, like there's board states where you can absolutely leave a fable alive, and there are board states where you absolutely cannot. And you just need to get, like, a feel for what those board states look like, and get a bit of a feel for, like, the way the decks are constructed, what they can draw. Uh, I think a good example for that is um, there were certain builds at the time when I played uh, the matchup a lot around Capenna that ran like Tenacious Underdog and there were lists that mm -hmm. didn't 
and the list where you ran Tenacious Underdog, you probably wanted to bring in Flame Blast Bolt. The lists that didn't, you were probably fine keeping Fatal Push. Um, getting a feel for like what list your opponent is playing, how you should maybe sideboard differently, depending on a couple of key cards. Hey, if my opponent's going really big, maybe I've like seen a blade FNM, they bring in a bunch of devoke, invoke despairs. Maybe I can bring in a, dis- a disdainful stroke post board because they tend to go a little bigger, have a bunch of Chandras, that sort of thing. And these like nuances net you a lot of win percentage just by playing without running weird, wacky sideboard tech, right? Don't run Karanos or some shit, just play more. Just play good cards. Don't overthink it. That's what it comes down to. Buy out your deck, be familiar with what you play, and eventually you'll win more. Yeah. Even in the bad matchups. I think especially the sort of like after my long ramble, what it basically boils down to, these matchups are not always about finding some sort of miracle sideboard card that'll just win you the game. Like, that shit doesn't work versus Rakdos, because they have so many angles, there is no miracle card. The miracle is to play better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what it was with, like, um... Uh, like, Doomwake had this issue. He played a lot of Rakdos Sack, and then started out 8-0... and because it was, it was right after Obnixilis came out. So Rakdosak got a huge bump in play, right? And he was 8-0 to start versus Mono Green in all of his, for his first eight matches. And he felt like the matchup was so favored, thought it was super easy. And he's like, holy shit, this is, this is great. This is like the, the deck for Mono Green. And then the flipped. He started losing a lot to Mono Green. And as he was playing the matchup more and more, he realized the matchup was actually really bad for Rakdos. And it's like, well, why, why'd you win eight in a row then? Why'd you start out? And it's like, well, because it was a new deck. The mono green players didn't know how to play against and what to prioritize with their mulligans, their decision-making, their sequencing to beat Rakdos, uh, at least for the sacrifice version. And then once players started to become familiar and seeing that deck more and more, it turns out the matchup is just fucking insane in Monogreen's favor. Like, that's just what it comes down to. Play your decks. Play them more. And you'll figure out you might be more favored than you think. Or disfavored in some matchups. Yes. Uh, or some instances. <laughs> but before we wrap up, we have one other thing to quickly go over. It's Magic's 30 the 30th anniversary thing that has been taking the Twitter world by storm because you can be the proud owner of $5 proxies for the low, low price of $1,000. Alex, tell them how our viewers at home can make this amazing sound decision and investment. We have the toll number on the bottom. You can call it. If you act right now, we will not throw in anything for an additional cost or additional benefit to you because <laughs> fuck you, you're paying $1,000 for $5 proxies. Alex, tell them how they can do it. it. It's just, I don't even know how you buy them. Is it like via the Secret Lair website or some shit? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, what it boiled down, boils down to is that for the people who don't know, which I'd be surprised if people don't know, but to celebrate Magic's 30th anniversary, they have unveiled the ultimate whale product. And it's basically 
that you get to buy like an alpha booster pack, except they have different card backs and they are not tournament legal. And this gave them an excuse, basically, this allowed them, quote-unquote, to actually reprint reserve list cards. So you can buy a pack with newly printed cards and actually pull Volcanic Island. And because Volcanic Island is, are, all these cards are expensive, even though these aren't going to be tournament legal, they were like, well, an alpha booster pack probably costs like a thousand bucks. So if we reprint an alpha booster pack, we should charge you a hundred a thousand bucks. And there's actually I think the funniest shit is that they are not just like an alpha pack, because I'm pretty sure I t- is it a meme or is Tolran Sky Summoner actually in? Like uh, there's like some random garbage in there. There's like a 1-1 blue wizard token, which is literally just the guy from Farseek. No, it's not Farseek. What is it? The enchantment that just allows you to dump your whole hand, all the lands from your hand on Fast Bond. Like, I think it's a wizard token. Literally just the dude from Fast Bond. So, like, it's just a really strange product. Now, a lot of people have been hating on it. Kind of rightfully so. But to be honest, I don't think it is like the worst product. Because, I mean, it's just a collector's item. That's all it is. It's a thing to buy and to like put in a frame and put on a shelf. Like, it's not meant to be played with. Even though they are trading cards and you pull them from booster packs... You shouldn't treat it like a like a card product. It's it's just a collector's a thingy to have, like buying an artist proof or um buying a doodle by an artist on a like a blank magic card, which you're not allowed to play in a turn. It's just that. I think what bothers people more, and myself included, is that it feels like a really shitty 30th anniversary celebration. Like, the whole point of Magic, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, the best thing about Magic is not Magic, it's the Gathering. It's about the idea that so many people have come together over 30 years to all play this nerdy-ass card game together. And your big celebration is a Magic event in, like... Is it Vegas or something? That is, like, ridiculously expensive to attend. I have no idea what they're even going to do there. Uh, And then you're like, but for the rest of the world, you get this shitty product. Except if you live out of the US, it'll ship, like, early 2023 or something. So this shit will arrive in, like, April like, half a year after the 30th anniversary of Magic. And it's just... What a fucking way to celebrate. <laughs> like, Also, aren't there fucking, like, rare basics that you can get? Like, can't I, you get I in a rare idea. slot? <clears throat> I don't know if it's land? actually... The problem is people have been memeing about it so much that if I read information about it, I don't know if it's a meme or not. 
Like, people are like, the real old magic experience is having a basic island in your rare slot. And it's like, I cannot imagine, even though, there's a lot of crazy shit with this product. I cannot imagine that they let you pay a thousand bucks for a booster, and if you're unlucky, there's literally just four basics in there. Like, I I can't imagine that's actually true. <laughs> like, it has no rares and four basics. Like, okay, I cannot here, imagine that's listen, true. Listen, <clears throat> each display of 30th anniversary edition will contain four packs, so you get four packs for a thousand dollars. Four packs of pure nostalgia reimagined in modern context. Each pack contains 15 cards. 13 cards in the modern frame, which is one rare, three uncommons, seven uncommons, and two basic lands, plus one basic land in the retro frame and one additional retro frame card and a token. So you can absolutely get fucked on your rare. I mean, just like regular booster packs, so that's nothing new. Unless you're, but, but you're paying a thousand for four. Yeah, but it doesn't really matter because they're not real cards anyway. These aren't real cards. Yeah, you can't use them in. Well, can you? Can you use them in like Legacy and Vintage? No, you're not allowed. Are they illegal? To. I mean, they just count as proxies. So, you know, if you would play in a tournament that says proxies are allowed. I'm pretty sure you could play these, but if you'd go to, like... I mean, they would never do a vintage Pro Tour because there'd be, like, a qualifier of 20 people to see which 12 vintage players will go to the world... go to the Pro Tour. But, um... Oh, yeah, the back of the card literally says 30th yeah. Anniversary Edition. Yeah, it's it just does, some it's, sort it's of not weird even an, magic an actual magic back. back. No, yeah. because it wants... It has to be distinguished because the... Like, Wizards has gotten allergic to, like, different borders unless it's retro frame. Like, Infinity does this, like, stupid acorn shit. And now we get yeah. these cards where you have to figure out it's a proxy by looking at the back. Now, obviously, uh, some of them are different. I think the Black Lotus card uses the magic online art and not the original Black Lotus art. Mm -hmm. Um... I think the Volcanic Island, like the the D's do it too. They use like the Magic Online, like reimagined art. But they're they are black bordered at the front. So if someone walks into your room and they see them framed on the wall, they're like, "Oh my god, are those reserve list cards?" And you're like, "No, but I did pay money for it as if they are." And they're like, "Oh." Mm -hmm. And then, like, well, the magic think... is off. I, mean, I guess we'll see what they end up going for. Like, the price tag on these yeah, cards. Yeah, but, I mean, they, they're probably, like, a decent investment-ish. Again, they're just whale products. It's just useless crap that you can throw a lot of money at and do nothing with. So, it's just a shitty celebration. Yeah. I get that. I don't know. It's fucking weird. Like, it's just a weird money-grabbing thing. I don't know. It just does, it doesn't feel great. It doesn't feel like a great product. Um, but also, it's, my it's same just, idea of it is who cares? Because whales exist in every single entertainment yeah, just, hobby. I, I've, I've been cares? playing Magic for long enough now that we had the 25th anniversary of Magic. And when we had the 25th anniversary of Magic... We actually got a set, which I think was just it was just called Magic Twenty Five or something. 
mm-hmm. and that was i mean nowadays it would be flooded anyway in stupid one million masters double master triple master upside down do a backflip masters whatever the next set is uh that'd probably be an unset card um <laughs> but like that came just with a set and it was a cool set and it had chalice of the void and imperial recruiter and jace the mind sculptor and i even drafted that set twice and you wouldn't believe it brad i enjoyed it wow wow and i was like this is how you celebrate a magic anniversary you make a dope ass magic set with a good amount of nostalgia in it some fun reprints which everyone around the world gets to play in their store that's a magic anniversary and not this shit yeah i mean just boring like Magic's 30th anniversary, and I will not interact with it. Maybe they'll have something else. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe they'll surprise us with something. Maybe. It, it is hard. There's so much fucking news around Magic that I might have just, like, missed out on some detail, and there is something awesome, and I hope there is, and then I'm going to be very happy, and if I learn about it, I will swallow my I would pride love, on the next recording. I would love there to be another... Okay, why have we stopped doing mystery boosters? That should been a should have been a yearly thing. That should be the same shit as fucking Yu-Gi-Oh's tins every year, like the 2020 tin, 2019 tin, etc. It's just a massive reprint set every year of the last like year of staples. Why don't or just just random reprints well, because, that are needed anyway? Because that's an amazing set. Because Watsi, contrary to what they have said in the past, very 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 much keeps the secondary market in mind yeah i know they and do but like... there's an extent to which that's good for vendors but because in Yu-Gi-Oh, if there's a really expensive staple and a store has a lot of them and they just go like well get fucked we reprinted in a tin they're a tenth of the price now that's kind of shitty for the infantry of a store though granted if they are also the ones to sell the tin then yeah, but but they it probably also doesn't matter but, that much. But that doesn't matter in Yu-Gi-Oh because that usually for the for the way the Yu-Gi-Oh competitive scene works is when you have fucking uh, a, a fucking stock of like staples like Solemn Strike, Ash, Ash Blossom, Joy String for like when those were like ninety a piece for Ash Blossoms and thirty five a piece for Solemn Strikes, they will sell out because they're not like Magic staples where you need like two shieldreds for 30 fucking 40 dollars you need three always the full place in a Yu-Gi-Oh for solemn strikes and all that and it's not just a black deck that goes into it's not just that color that archetype it's It's every single deck yeah they are staples that will sell so the inventory aspect of the reprints do not hurt the Yu-Gi-Oh but but so in magic it does more so I get but like so I get like I don't know. It's hard to say because I do think that there's definitely like a sort of like product issue with Magic where we get a lot of product, but somehow none of it is really good. Uh, I think the only exception is Commander Precons. They're generally pretty dope and they generally have pretty good value. They're getting Um, better, yeah. But I mean, I I watched a gameplay video of the Warhammer decks. They look really cool. (laughs) They (laughs) They look look fun. A lot of that Necron deck. 
oh my mm -hmm. god <laughs> like i want to play yeah. that so bad but um it's it's just weird and just also like I know it's it's another like cynical thing, but you get this whole magic thirtieth. We're gonna sell you proxies for a thousand bucks, and what is it like? Two days later, Hasbro comes out and says like we are gonna do a fifty percent increase in our profits in the next three years, and it's like yeah, I I could see where it fucking comes from. Their stock dropped like eight percent right after yeah, the thirtieth edition. Yeah, I don't know. That doesn't matter. Like, thought it was funny though. Yeah, but now it's probably back already. Hasbro stock. Yeah, I'm also looking. Uh, over the course of like a month. Uh, I mean, it's already it. The last it already started dropping on the 12th of September. So, doesn't. Well, when was the 30th announced? Was it? It was early this week, right? Yeah. So the like fourth. So yeah, the, there's the here's the drop off. 11:30 a.m. on the fourth, it goes down. Uh, from 73 down to 68 drops off. Maybe mine's a weird convert, but like that, that, that all doesn't matter. And I also just don't really care um, that like stock is a bit down, like whatever. I, I don't. Oh, also that's, I won't get it's into also, the stock market. it's also <laughs> not accurate because if you look at the span prior to the announcement, uh, the big MTG announcement for 30th, the stock jumped from 68 to 73. So it jumped that 8% that you, people were talking about. And yeah, then and immediately then it fell back down after yeah. the announcement. Because people were like, like, oh, oh shit, God, this is not a fun thing. Oh, the announcement shit. Yeah. Okay, cool. It goes back so to So it's what literally gone from, it's been at 68 for the last bit, for the last like month, has been hovering around that mark. And that's where it's just at. But last month, though, it's been going down for the last few months. Yeah, so... They have to, cool. like, please investors or some shit, and then, I mean. I mean, at one point, it was 103. That was beginning of the year, January. Now it's at 68. It just, it, it, it just, the annoying thing is, is that it really gives me the feeling that, like, when they want to make more profit, it seems like they try and do everything except make their game better. Now, they already have a fantastic game, right? Um, so I'm not saying make the game good. The game is good. But they just come... And, and this is not to discredit any of the people who work on Magic. Because they do a hell of a fucking job. Um, mm. But, like, they have to... I feel like they just have to pump up more and more product and they don't get the resources to do it with, so the product suffers and there's just a quantity. They just like if we can make twice as much for but it's seventy five percent of the quality, well that's a win. Like, if you just look at dollars. But it doesn't actually make for a better game. And that's just frustrating, and all these things are just like like the magic thirty of sell you proxies. They are just, like, symptoms of it. And I think that's where most people's frustration comes from. And then, like, you know, the you get the let people like things crowd. And then, like, eh. Sometimes I just have to tell you that the thing you like is shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well. So Magic 30th is a meme. It Off is. Off to the next 30, <laughs> maybe.
we'll be doing maybe the pioneer in the next thirty years. We'll still at this be point having, it'll be basically uh, the vintage perspective if we'd still do this in thirty years. <laughs> be kind of cool though. I wonder what the format would look like. Pretty sure we'll have moved on to another format in thirty years. Yeah, probably. We'll be the historic comes to paper and they figure out how to make perpetual work. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be like Speaking the which, universe is beyond the perspective. The Teferi counterspell? Oh, that... Teferi's thing? What a great reason not to play... Uh, that card 100% or... could work in paper, though. It doesn't have to say Perpetual. It just says, like, cards that share the same name... Um, cost. You could, but it would become... Like, you have to, like, write it down. You do that already. Like, yeah. if you play the, the Gatekeeper, it's just name a card... And that card oh, yeah, costs true. more to cast. Like Pithing Needle, the same that type thing. of shit. So like you do it already. Yeah. So yeah you... Or Gideon's Intervention. Brad, don't give him ideas. I don't want to see this card. Like, I'm surprised it's not a card in paper. I'm surprised it's not in Brothers War. <laughs> I'm happy it's not. Just, they all cost more. But that's going to do it for us here today. You guys are the best. Thank you so much for listening. We love you and appreciate you. And we hope you listen to us again next time.